Aha, good morning friends, it's Oliver Callan here once again until 10 o'clock in the day on this day, it being Tuesday the 4th of July, so happy Independence Day to our American friends among us, and I don't just mean the Irish people who now speak in an American accent, such is the effect of that amazing country, super amazing country's culture on Ireland. And Ireland's effect on their society, if you know what I mean. We know slagging Americans in this show today. Happy 4th of July. Yes, 51551, that is our text number or from the north of Ireland, text studio, then your message to 80889. I'm um, on Instagram at the Oliver Callan. You know what to do by now. Uh, an interesting show for you this morning. We're going to be talking about a topic that you might think you understand, but um, and maybe you've seen it on television. It's not treated with the sensitivity it should be often there. But I think you'll be interested to hear a different side of the story. It's about hoarders. And we're going to be chatting to an Irish fellow who's working with councils um, to help tenants with hoarding and cluttering issues, um, which are two different things, by the way, hoarding and cluttering. He's working with councils in England where you've got very, very extreme versions of it. But we do have it here. And some of you out there may have encountered this when it comes to particularly, I think, clearing the houses of, of, of loved ones who've passed away. And um, there are different categories. You have the magpies who collect certain objects, the bargain keepers. They're people who buy things they don't really need, but they're capturing a bargain. And then you have the ostriches who bury their head in the sands to avoid the problem building up. And it does. So I think it's an interesting thing to look out for. And it is an Irish company that's working across in England. And um, we're going to look at the Irish perspective of that as well. Uh, Yes, it's the 4th of July, marking the anniversary of, uh, reading this morning, the Declaration of independence in 1776 by the Americans. Well, the original 13 states, or colonies as they were, of of America, breaking away from Great Britain, the first country in the world to do so, break away from the empire. And it was really actually, they declared the independence on the 4th of July, 1776, but it actually took another 60 years to defeat the Brits, 1783. And uh, and by with those 13 states, that's why you have the 13 red and white stripes on the flag. Uh, so um, that's why they celebrate their Independence Day. And what do they do on Independence Day? They have all, uh, the uh, fireworks are a big thing for them, barbecues and uh, apparently bonfires as well. Concerts, there are big concerts and parades. And of course, it wouldn't be America without lots of sales and kind of um, not quite Black Friday, but there's a 4th of July. They go shopping on the 4th of July. It's like they, we accuse the Americans of inventing shopping, but what is America? Only the, the biggest experiment of all, as many of the world's people gather, peoples gathered in the one continent nation. So we salute our Yank friends today and enjoy whatever you're going to be doing, wearing red, white and blue and so on. Now, across a lot of the papers today, there is a fascinating interview with the former Taoiseach Brian Cowan. Uh, the headline in the Irish Daily Mail, Cowan, I hope to be able to walk daughter down the aisle. And Craig Hughes, the political correspondent there, is reporting on this um, rare interview, which was on Midlands 103, local radio for the proud Offaly man that is Brian Cowan. And um, we heard a little bit about uh, Brian Cowan's story last year in the FLA when he made one of his few public appearances and um, he was he was talking there. He was in really good spirits. As we know now, he, he suffered a, a, a stroke and a, a very severe stroke of a type that many people don't survive. So he considers uh, very lucky the type of stroke he had. Um, he makes appearances, but he's often seen in a wheelchair now. But his speech has improved greatly and he just has a kind of a positive outlook. And I think it's worth um, listening to a clip of that interview, which was on Midlands 103, the Will Faulkner show, because it is across all the papers today. And uh, there are some 
some political bits as well, which I'll come to after this. But it's worth listening to Brian Cowan in his own words on his recovery, because I think it will strike a chord with many people who suffer uh, similarly and kind of disappear a little bit into that very slow, torturous recovery, which we only hear then in short bursts. Here's, here's Brian Cowan in his own words. The length of time in hospital was a long time, 12 months, a long time. Um, very lucky. I mean, the type of stroke I had, I mean, unfortunately, as I was told later, three out of four don't make it. So it was a pretty serious uh, situation. But thankfully, I overcame a lot of it. Um, so, that, so that mentally and in that way, my conversation came back and the the loss of words that I had for, that I couldn't pick mm. on certain I would be held up in conversation a lot all that thankfully has uh, dissipated so I've, I've made a great recovery mentally anyway and the physical side of things is slower I mean you you make most of your recovery after say six to nine months and then what you get after that is based on your constant repetition. But we're getting there. And uh, as I say, I have a a, private, uh, a sort of a family uh, commitment coming up um, towards the end of the year. My eldest daughter is marrying and um, we're all delighted about that, obviously. And uh, I would hope to discharge the fat, their paternal functions well mm. on that day, like walking her up the aisle. I love the way he puts it, the, the, the functions, the paternal functions of walking her up the aisle. Uh, it's 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 amazing story. As I say, it's a lot of coverage across the papers today and we wish him well. Um, obviously, as a politician, he attracts a, a lot of negative attention about his legacy, but there there are humans behind these people and um, I think that's, that's one that kind of gives a lot of encouragement to people who are facing that long, lonely, difficult road um, he was only 59 when this stroke hit and he, he continues he continues his recovery and is looking forward. Isn't that all you need? Something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to is generally what they say. Now, let's go back to America for a moment because um, the Americans, they, 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 they fascinate us and they drive us uh, a little bit demented at times. There is a thing called pickleball, which you may or may not be familiar with. This is one of the biggest growing sports in America at the moment. It's a sport played with paddles that generates quite a racket, says the um, the New York Times in, their, in one of their terrible puns. And pickleball, what is it? Well, it's a mashup of tennis, badminton and ping pong. And uh, it's long enjoyed a cult following, but it's going mainstream and it's pretty massive at the moment. So you play it with... Uh, a paddle-like table tennis, so a big, wide plastic paddle, a perforated plastic ball. It makes a lot of noise, hence the racket pun here in the New York Times. Uh, the incessant pop-pop-pop of the fastest-growing sport in America has brought on a nationwide scourge of unneighbourly clashes, petitions, calls to the police and lawsuits with no solution in sight. Some people say it sounds like popcorn warming in a microwave, sporadic bursts that quicken gradually to the uh, to an, a cacophonous clatter. Uh, it is the most grating and disruptive sound in the entire athletic ecosystem right now. The staccato pop, pop, pop emanating from America's rapidly multiplying pickleball courts. A pickleball court, by the way, is just a tennis court, which they've repurposed as a pickleball court, which are smaller, so you can fit as many as six pickleball courts into small spaces where there were just two tennis courts and off they go 
six courts going all day until 10 o'clock. It's not like tennis, which is a, a nice, pleasant sound. Wimbledon fans, tennis sounds like this. Here. Nice, gentle plop. And sometimes they grunt. The grunting annoys people. But people listen to this even to send themselves to sleep. Tennis. It's a, it's a kind of a more pleasant sound, tennis. Pickleball is something else entirely. Oh. It's faster, so it puts your opponent in a pickle. So there's more yelling involved, along with the annoying, annoying sounds. I actually have to stop that there. It's kind of starting to do my head in. The hubbub has given a new meaning to the phrase racket spore, testing the sanity of anyone within earshot of a game. And they've found it. Um, John Mancini, who's in Massachusetts, says, it's like having a pistol range in your backyard. He's among the residents who find this um, uh, astonishing sport starting to uh, send them all uh, the wrong direction. It's a torture technique, says Clint Ellis. He's in Maine. Living here is hell, says Debbie Nagel, who's in Arizona. And um, it's, it's much higher. They've actually gone and done the research on it. The pickleball sound mitigation scheme has found that the pickleball wax from 100 feet away could reach 70 dBA, which is the measure of decibels, of course, which is similar to a vacuum cleaner in your house. Well, everyday background noise outside typically comes off at a much less uh, 50 de- decibels, which is considered annoying, but it's nowhere near the thunder whack that is pickleball, which is starting to send anyone demented. I'm saying this because... American crazes, as we know, come over here. Uh, Sue Ellen Wellfunder, she's a best-selling romance novelist in Longboat Key in Florida, says she used to write her books listening to singing birds and the gentle wish of trees. Now, though, the thump-thump of, te- of tennis. She used to like the tennis, but now the arrival of pickleball has shattered her idyll. Pickleballs replace leaf blowers as my number one noise nuisance. She's now writing a new novel, which is set in the present day with a couple of pickleball-loving characters. She says, I'm making them all really nasty people. Uh, one of her neighbours, she says, was dying of cancer, said the pickleball noise was worse than his cancer as he was dying. So uh, people have won temporary injunctions, which has been closing pickleballs. A guy called Rob Mastriani, um, he fought his neighbours in Massachusetts. He won the temporary injunction, but by the time he won the case, he'd already sold his house and moved to a different part of town to escape to escape the noise. And uh, I love this one here, because what are the pickleball players saying? Um, Jonathan Sawyer is 25, a dietitian from Arlington, and an avid player said, well, in fairness, if I lived next door to one of these places, I'd be mad. Because it's annoying. It's obnoxious. But I don't feel bad because, well, I want to play. And this is the best place to play. I just feel it's unfortunate. It's unlucky for those people. How utterly American is that response? And then other people are kind of going, well, you know, we do have, you know, it is a small thing in the grand scheme of the world. Pickleball noise, but, you know, climate change and so on. But it is a nationwide problem. And then we're four. We've got to do it. No mention of the um, the 25,000 gun murders a year there, by the way. Um, that's a 51554. Oh, oh, pickleball is already here. The texters are in. Pickleball, we started a small pickleball society in Enniskerry, which is a very nice um, uh, built-up residential area in Wicklow. Uh, just play tennis, for heaven's sake. It's a wonderful game. I'm 77. I've been playing all my life. Well, there are other stories, Texter, um, about pickleball, because it's very, very popular among the retired community in America. But as a result of that, they're all falling over and injuring themselves because it's much faster than tennis. Because smaller court, you see, they're just plopping it over back to each other. And there are stories about the tens of millions it's costing the American Health Service to deal with um, people, pickleball injuries. So you're going to hear a lot of that. Why is it called pickleball? We think the inventor a few decades ago thought it put people in a pickle and hence the term. Now, yesterday, uh, speaking of the New York Times, sort of an American theme this morning, 
Yesterday, the New York Times said that um, Bridget Jones's diary, 25 years ago, released as a novel this month, um, was basically, well, what did they say? They weren't amused anymore. They said 25 years after Bridget Jones's diary, uh, Bridget Jones deserved better. We all did. And uh, the article, which gave new meaning to the words po-faced, according to the reaction to the article, well, what did they say? They said uh, it castigated Bridget Jones for her nuttiness and self-loathing, railed against her hapless, flustered flakiness, called her out for smoking and body shaming, and ends with a call for stories which celebrate progress instead of what Bridget Jones went through. So the London Times has reacted today saying we, the Americans have just lost their sense of humour. Hilary Rose says, um, Bridget Jones... Well, this is what what the New York Times, first of all, said. Bridget Jones' diary is now not just unfunny, but actively dangerous in its peddling of the outdated stereotype that a woman, any woman, could occasionally be hapless and neurotic. And Hilary Rose writes, I guess I'm the last woman left then, and every other woman has cracked it. Am I a failing... Um, am I failing as a feminist if I don't always take life terribly seriously? Am I shaming the sisterhood by laughing along but never at Bridget Jones? I struggle to believe that what young women talk about and worry about has changed all that much since 1998. If they don't worry about their weight anymore or agonise about boyfriends or have inappropriate crushes on terrible men who break their heart, what do they talk to their friends about? Inflation? <laughs> She also says, Bridget Jones, yes, is a messed up Fruit Loop with a disastrous love life and a lecherous boss. But that's precisely why you should read it, not why you should avoid it. It's called a plot. If there's a central message, it isn't that she's nutty and self-loathing. It's that boyfriends come and go, but good friends are forever. So she's a girl's girl, is what Hilary Rose is saying. And um, she's suggesting trigger warnings for for young people reading Bridget Jones's diary today. But she's got her tongue in her cheek here. She said there should be a warning such as, yes, there are graphic scenes involving milk tray consumption, chronic abuse of alcohol and cigarettes throughout, all of which are, are VV bad for you. It will also make you laugh. You might find this distressing, she says. Okay. I have to say, this row is making me really want to watch Bridget Jones's diary, which I've only kind of seen clips of. Now, to de-stress yourself... Uh, you can always resort to something called brain flossing. So if pickleball has done your mind in, brain flossing has been hailed as the calming mental health hack. It's brought people to tears and it's a craze that might rub you the right way. So brain flossing, or alternatively brain massaging, is becoming the hottest self-healing trend online with social media sound lovers seemingly achieving inner peace within seconds. When I first experienced it, it literally brought me to tears said the purported mindset mentor Ray Michelle in her viral brain massage bulletin, which is now a million TikTok views and everything. So hashtags brain floss, hashtag brain massage has amassed just tens of millions of views on TikTok. So you're supposed to sit back, close your eyes and get some headphones. If you you have headphones with you, grab them now and wrap them around yourself and wrap yourself around the brain floss music. This is real music, but there is, there are, there are, um, uh, vocals in this so uh, this is trampoline by Shade and Zane would even have the sound even saying it like brain floss don't they Shade and Zane trampoline brain floss music uh, if you don't have headphones just turn everything up very loud wherever you're listening I've been having dreams jumping on a trampoline I never just 
oh yeah, you really need headphones. I'm wearing headphones, obviously, and you're going to hear it kind of reverbing around your head. And if you very, very, very good headphones, uh, what, well, well, we'll say I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it says here. Combined, there are various components, techniques, panning, and special effects. Components that give the listener a sensation of having the music playing inside their head. The noise has a soothing effect on the brain. Research has shown HD music as well. It's similar to that, which is calming. I try to do that sometimes on Callan's kicks. Try to do some panning, which is just you know someone's talking about a, your left ear and then out of your right. But unfortunately, if someone's listening to a crap radio which would be mono, they're only hearing the left channel, so they miss entirely the panning on the, le- on the right, so I, I stopped doing it. It's good for conversations, you know, those kind of whisper ads they used to do with two fellas talking to each other. Oh, that's problematic now, isn't it? Um, so speaking of cacophonies and beautiful sounds, The Darkness, not known for their, for their brain floss music, they've announced a Dublin date for their 20th anniversary tour later this year. They're going to be in the Olympia Theatre in December because it's 20 years since they released their debut album, Permission to Land. Uh, I believe in a thing called love and things like that, which I walked into on our wedding day. Um, into the into the dinner into the dinner place whatever that's called reception that's the word I was looking for I believe in the thing all of it good cacophony at the Olympia Theatre on December 3rd oh it has a new name the Olympia Theatre it's the Olympia right I'm not saying that other thing that's in December and whatever tickets are in sale this Friday from 9am so it's not 9am when you've stuff to do isn't it uh, so that's good news for Darkness fans there. And um, was it near prog rock or kind of a 70s glam? 70s glam, that's what it is. A kind of a reboot of 70s glam in the noughties. Good times, good times for all. I'll consider that one. Um, Gordon Ramsay is going to come to Ireland, creating hundreds of jobs, according to the Irish Mirror. This is fascinating for many things. Well, I'll come to it in a second. But anyway, Next Level Chef uh, is going to film its new series in Ireland. This is an American show that is made in Ireland. And I'm delighted this story's finally made it because there are huge things happening at Ashford Studios in County Wicklow. Uh, Fox Entertainment, yes, yes, Fox from America, has been making loads of programming, 60 hours of primetime US programming in Ireland in the last 18 months, almost without us noticing. But they've supported two dozen Irish businesses and over 300 jobs have been created. Um, Economic Impact Assessment says it's been worth about 300 to 500 million uh, euro, that is, to the Irish economy here. And you've got amazing stuff that's going on there. Tisha Gleo Fradker was announcing Next Level Chef by Gordon Ramsay, which is interesting things that Tisha has to do. Uh, but anyway, Ireland is perfectly placed to become a global hub for unscripted production. So they're talking about telly here. So we've got lots of film, we've got lots of TV series and stuff happening, but this is the kind of, what they call in the industry, shiny floor programmes. Uh, so at primetime American TV game shows are being made here and it is apparently cheaper for them to fly in their uh, huge celebrities Jamie Foxx has been here there's been big shows called Beat Shazam Name That Tune Don't Forget the Lyrics have all been shot here in the last year so really uh, amazing stuff Um, Studio Ramsey which is the Gordon Ramsay thing Bigger Stage is the company that's the Irish company in Dublin that's been making all of these shows down in Ashford Studios and as I say it's gone barely unnoticed I know people were kind of talking about uh, Jamie Foxx obviously before he became unwell that's in the last year or two he was he was here shooting stuff so fascinating fascinating stuff happening in the Irish entertainment industry almost without us bearing to notice um, almost I didn't notice this last night because going to bed early at the moment but the super moons the first super moons of 2023 I've been rising over Ireland last night. Did you see it? 51551 is our text number, by the way. Um, so last night, uh, the supermoon rose at half past 10 
20 past 11 tonight. That's the time to look out for for the supermoon. It's called a buck supermoon. I think this is something to do in America as well. Yes, okay. A buck moon is a full moon that rises in July. This title comes from the traditions of Native American tribes who must have a different view on uh, America's Independence Day. Um, The Native American tribes who named the moon after male deer known as bucks whose antlers began to develop at this time of the year. So... Phoenix Park would be a good place to watch the supermoon. So hopefully you've got clear skies. It's very clear at the moment in Dublin, but it is apparently going to rain from about midday onwards. But you might get sporadic moments of um, of clear skies. 20 past 11 anyway this evening, Tuesday roughly uh, in Ireland, but it's probably going to be a little bit later, I presume, in the, in the, on the West Coast. And David Moore from Astronomy Ireland is asking people to get, to, if you've got photos of the supermoon rising, obviously it's at its biggest and most spectacular as it rises at that, and then it sails across the sky. Magazine at astronomy.ie. Send your pictures from last night and indeed tonight as well. Oh, uh, there's reboots, reboots uh, happening at the moment. Biker Grove, do you remember Biker Grove? Of course you do. This was sounded like Biker Grove. Was that show on CBBC? Oh, that bounce of the eighties because it started in nineteen eighty nine. There's it, and it featured rarely seen or rarely heard accents on on BBC television, Newcastle. But it launched the careers of Ant and Dick, and thirty years after they were they were known as PJ. And Duncan, they left Biker Grove, Ant McPartland and Declan Donnelly, reviving the classic Geordie children's drama. We're going to do it again. That's right, they are now 47. They're taking a break from their ITV entertainment show and they're returning to BBC to bring back Biker Grove um, two years ago. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Biker Grove is back. <laughs> yeah, there's lots lots of stuff happening. Biker Grove is back. And uh, when is it happening here? Yeah, you think I'd read the stories with me before I get them? 30 years ago. Uh, it's happening soon. It'll be happening. Looks like next year yes it's going to begin development this year and it's going to be out next year um, Biker Grove so the thing they never asked for so, so whether you're into it or not it's going to be happening anyway CBBS. Um, 51551 is our text number studio and your message to 80889 from the north from Northern Ireland lots to talk about and lots to do this morning we're going to start with blister in the sun grab the sun while you can because I think the rain is coming uh, good morning all makes me smile the violent femmes I'd say drummers love that don't they I'd say they love Blister in the Sun um, 51551 that's our text number Pickleball is called Paddleball in Spain and is big there too according to this texter but um, our researchers have checked and it seems there are differences in the rules between Pickleball and Paddleball I've, I think I've seen Paddleball um, on holidays quite a bit is that the one they also it migrates to the beach and they smack those big things that's what you see anyway um, mixed views on Bridget Jones Bridget, who would have thought Bridget Jones' diary would be so divisive particularly the film version starring René Zellweger and Hugh Grant Oliver don't watch the Bridget Jones films they're rubbish read the book it's hilarious says Mary and this other texter says do watch Miss, Miss Bridget Jones daft funny but you laugh I think and she also says well done Mona and then they're not gone yet says Moira in Nace in County Kildare. That's very generous from Kildare considering what we did to you only uh, two weeks ago. Uh, anyway, uh, that's it for the moment. We're going to go to an ad break, but we're going to be talking about the issue of the hoarding and the cluttering right after these. 